What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet and the John cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. This is episode number 40 of the John Cast podcast. Welcome into the podcast. And I'm welcomed by Matt LePay. He is the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, hold on, Matt. I muted your microphone. There you go. How are you doing? Oh, there you go. I'm glad you finally got around. This is episode 40. So I'm honored to finally get the call. I, uh, you must be running out of guests. <laughs> Not exactly, but apparently my my camera freezes if you're watching on Spotify. So we're just going to keep the picture on you until I fix that camera. Um, you were asking me before, like, man, you got this whole setup, and apparently the setup just doesn't work because my picture is frozen. So it's not as fancy as you might think it is, Matt. But no, no, I wanted to get to you. I want to have a podcast where you and Lukey reunite on like Lucas and LePay. Would you be interested in something like that? That was, you know, I was really, I was bad in that show. So, uh, you know, but if you, if it helps you, if you're that desperate, um, I'm sure that that wasn't my, uh, the daily sports talk was not my forte, but I guess we did that for like five or six years, something like that. Or yeah, I guess we did. We did do it for a while. It's a distant memory now, John. It's been a while, huh? Yeah. I think I, uh, I stepped away eight years ago when I started doing the Brewers, when I was filling in with the Brewers um, starting in 2014. And uh, now that I've stepped away from the Brewers, I really don't have any interest in doing morning sports talk Monday through Friday. So I'm just getting old and lazy, I guess. Uh, um, but I'm being honest with you. No, that's fine. I mean, waking up in the morning is awful. I mean, there were several mm -hmm. times I told Lukey where I'd wake up. I, I was I was out of it. I didn't know what was going on. I was just driving into work and somehow got there. It was, I was half asleep some of the times. It's it's hundred percent true. I would leave my house and I'd come back later on in the day and there'd be like cupboards open and things all over. And I was like, I don't remember doing any of that in the morning, but I was looking for something apparently. Never so. got used to it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I did that when I was in Ohio, um, the station I worked at in Columbus, Ohio. And then when I first moved here in the late eighties, um, when 1070 was a country station, uh, and but we still did news and sports. We had a full news staff and a you know two person sports staff. All that um, actual disc jockeys we called them back then that actually okay. played records or cart machines and that that type of thing. Um, yeah, I did that from '88 to like '94. So by all total, probably you know, twelve years or so of of morning radio, and learned to tolerate it. I can't say I ever got really used to it. You know, because as you know, you we kind of work split shifts. They don't play the games at 10 in the morning. So uh, we get, try to get a nap in and then go call a game or cover a practice. So, no, I, I don't miss it. No, no. It, it's, yeah, you never really do get used to waking up that, that early in the morning. Hey, before we continue, because I want to talk about the game that I got to attend as a fan, my first NCAA basketball game as a fan, NCAA tournament basketball game 
as a fan, and that was in Milwaukee. But first, I want to remind everybody this podcast is brought to you by me and Julio. They've got great monthly specials, including the Ruben Sandwich for $15 and the Rainbow Trout Tacos for $16. Check out uh, me and Julio. And this week, uh, I believe, yes, I'm giving away a $20 me and Julio gift card. Go find it on Twitter. Go retweet that. And you can get hooked up with a $20 gift card. Also brought to you by Ian's Pizza. We've got the bracket contest going. Uh, so thank you for everyone who signed up. And there are bonus points you can earn on the bracket contest. And if you're listening to this podcast for one of those bonus points, it's week two of the tournament now starting this week. And you will get eight bonus points for this. Name one. And you don't have to answer this, Matt. You're not answering this. Uh, name one of the three Badgers who have played in the most NCAA tournament games all time at Wisconsin. One of the three Badgers who have played in the most NCAA tournament games all time at Wisconsin. If you answer that, you will get eight points this week uh, for your bonus points. And also this uh, podcast brought to you by Scani. I partnered with Scani. We made some t-shirts. They're awesome. You should go check them out at johncastpodcast.com, 1999. They're sports-related type of t-shirts, Matt, in case, uh, in case you were wondering. But I have to ask you right off the bat, uh, you were obviously at the game calling it on the Badger Sports Network. I was at the game in section 213, row one, watching it, waiting for that place at Pfizer Forum to go crazy. My question is, what happened Sunday against Iowa State? They missed a lot of shots and turned it over too much. That's my in-depth analysis. Uh, this, <laughs> team, this team all year, John, defied the statistics, defied the metrics. You know, it, it really didn't shoot the ball very well. Uh, it didn't shoot the three very well at all, ranking at the bottom of the Big Ten throughout the course of the season. Like, what's the one thing that they do? Well, they win. They they still they make the shots when they have to. They get the stops on the defensive end when they have to. They don't turn it over. And they have one of the best players in the country and one of the great closers in Johnny Davis. So they they're what they might have lacked in shooting touch, they made up for with, with grit and a special player in Johnny. Um, and that wasn't enough against Iowa State. It was interesting going in. You had Wisconsin protects the ball better than anybody in the country in terms of turnover percentage. It's the lowest in the nation. And they played an Iowa State team that turns opponents over more than almost everybody in, in the country. I think they went into the game ranked fourth in turnover percentage forced. So who was going to win that battle? Well, we saw the answer. Uh, Wisconsin made 14 field goals and committed 17 turnovers. So credit to Iowa State. Forever, it seemed, when people talked about Wisconsin, you know, going back to the Dick Bennett days, um, Wisconsin was going to win tough games by mucking it up. That's right. how they described Wisconsin. Well, that's what Iowa State did on Sunday. Iowa State mucked it up because the Badgers – even though they didn't shoot well, they were still you know a 70-plus point-a-game team because they play a little faster than they had. They're pretty good at the free-throw line, and they have a clutch gene throughout the program. 15 wins in games decided by six points or fewer against four losses, but it just it didn't, it didn't line up. I thought you and I were talking before we started recording this. Wisconsin was maybe a shot away, two shots away, from Pfizer Forum erupting, and it just didn't happen. And it did on Friday. It did in 2014 with our guy Ben Brust, but it didn't happen on Sunday. 
You know, and that was the thing too. Yeah, we were just, I went there with Ben Larson. Uh, my camera froze again if you're watching on Spotify. I'll go back to you, Matt. People want to see you. They don't want to see me frozen looking stunned on on Spotify. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just they never got on that run because I, I was so, one of the things I was so excited about, not only to go to a game and experience all the, the fan stuff that people get to do, but I was excited because I knew that crowd on Friday night was, you know, was so amazing. And I knew that crowd was going to be just as amazing on Sunday, but it, they they were waiting. They were standing up. It was a great, great crowd because they would try to, you know, inspire and, and help rally on the team when they needed to. And uh, the crowd was great. They just never got a chance to be next level. Yeah. Well, the Friday crowd had an extra time to uh, to tailgate because the game didn't tip <laughs> off till 945, about an hour late. So they were they were ready. And, and but you're right. On, on Sunday, unfortunately, they didn't, um, you know, a couple of times early. It looked like they might get something going. And then when Chucky Hepburn went down, that, that took a lot of the air out of the building, I think, um, because people who follow this team, I mean, look, Johnny Davis is the player of the year in the Big Ten and one of the top players in the country. We all get that. But Chucky, as the point guard, made a lot of things go and has worked defensively. He had, Right before the injury or the possession before the injury, he was doing a great job against his counterpart, a fellow freshman, Tyrese Hunter. And then, you know, Hunter, the one basket he makes the entire game, that's where Chucky is trying to chase him and he rolls his foot, uh, ankle, leg, whatever the injury is. Um, but you could see him go down in a heap. And, man, that took a, that took a lot of air. Uh, I mean, yeah, you agree? It, it just seemed like a lot of the energy left. Yeah, and, and, and their scoring left. And their, you know, everything kind of just slowed down for the Badgers when Hepburn left with about four or five minutes left in that first half. And, you know, that, that kind of leads to the poll question I put out on Twitter, what contributed the most, because we've talked to, you just mentioned like a whole bunch of things that contributed and then altogether you end up with a loss in the second round of the tournament, but what contributed the most to that loss? Would you say, was it the turnover 17? Was it the poor three point shooting two for 22? Or was it what we just talked about Hepburn's injury? But you, you could make an argument for any of the three. Um, but the turnovers are un uncharacteristic. I mean, this they turned it over twice the amount of time that, that they do on average. And, but look, they were also two for 22 from the three-point line. Uh, it was kind of a worse fears confirmed. Uh, like what would be the way Wisconsin would get knocked out? Um, I would not have said turnover, a high turnover count. I would have thought the poor shooting. Uh, and it obviously was a major contributor on Sunday. But I think the nature of the way Iowa State plays defensively, John, it forces a lot of turnovers, and it can rush you. And there were a lot of really open shots Wisconsin was getting, but I just think the nature of the defense, it can take a toll where you rush at times when maybe you don't have to. And it looked like that might have been the case in, in some instances because, look, some of these three-point shots, they weren't rattle outs. They were air balls. You know, they were, they were shots that had no chance of going in. And, you know, some of those or a couple of those came from guys who don't play a ton, but – you know, others came from guys who do. So it's, again, I have to get all the credit to, to Iowa State, but that the high turnover count to me was, was, you know, was a surprise. I mean, I knew going in, it was going to be difficult. We knew what the bread and butter is for Iowa State. Um, but that was the, the one plot twist that I don't think many people were anticipating. No, I mean, you got to watch Johnny Davis for like, what was an incredible season. And I mean, uh, there's no chance he's coming back. 
right? I mean, just double yeah, check. Yeah, I can't, can't, can't imagine. Can't, can't imagine, can't imagine he would come no, back. So no. um, what was that like to just be able to witness uh, a season? I was trying to think of, obviously, Frank Kaminsky had the, the National Player of the Year uh, season, but, I mean, that's the best since we've seen since Frank Kaminsky around these parts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, Johnny, uh, when when somebody like him comes along, uh, quite a popular question is, who does he remind you of? And, and he's his own guy. He's his... You know, he reminds me of Johnny Davis. You know, I, Devin Harris was spectacular. Michael Finley, whose jersey finally was retired about a month ago. Um, extra special, still the last Badger to average 20 points per game over the course of the season. He did it three straight years. Uh, Johnny will end up just missing that, um, 19 point whatever. But his ability, Johnny's ability to score when he's at his best at any level. You know, he can obviously drive the ball to the rim. Uh, he goes through stretches or went through stretches where he could get his pull-up mid-range jumper, whatever he wanted. And he's not a prolific three-point shooter, but it w- he was good enough where opponents had to respect that too. I would imagine as he as he moves on, and you hear this all the time from NBA people, well, we'd like to see him shoot better, fill in the blank on who that person is or that player is. But I would imagine that'll be an area where Johnny will continue to get better. He'll continue to get stronger. And you just have to think he's got a heck of a career ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. What about Brad Davison? What will you remember the most about Brad Davison's career in a Badgers uniform? You know, the thing he he has said multiple times, including after the game Sunday, he wants to be remembered for more than basketball. And I think he will be by by people who know him. Um, the presence that he has. Uh, it was interesting. I'll share a story as, as when Brad was just starting um, the summer leading into the fresh, his freshman year was talking with, with Patrick Herb, uh, the, what's his title? The director of brand management uh, used to yep. be a sports information brand strategy. Yeah, yeah, Brand strategy. Yeah. There you Something go. Like that. I was just kind of in a casual conversation was just talking to him about like, you know, who are these new guys, you know, tell me a little bit about Brad. And he's, and he said, you know, when you meet him, you're going to think he's too good to be true because he's incredibly polite. Um, he's, it's always yes, sir. Um, and it's a, it was a spot on description because, and I know that there's the flagrant fouls and I know that's going to be a part of it uh, with Brad, but those of us who know him, know him for so much more uh just a you know a guy that you could talk to and it's almost like a peer conversation you know he he just he has a presence about him and a and a way of feeling comfortable and making people around him feel comfortable uh there aren't many like that and when you have someone like that or in a program that you cover you really appreciate it um as a player, what I'll, rec- what I'll remember the most is his sheer toughness. Um, freshman year, when the shoulder popped out yeah. multiple times, and it you know it would have been excused to say, okay, I wanna, let me sit out here for X number of days or X number of weeks, and he would just get Henry Perez-Gara, the athletic trainer at the time, uh, pop it back in place, and let's go. And he'd come back on the floor and hit a three for a team that, wasn't very good, but played its best ball late in the year. They had injuries and they had everything that could have gone wrong in a basketball sense was going wrong for that team. And Brad did everything he could to stay on the floor. So his his pain tolerance, toughness, leadership ability, 
And oh, by the way, the clutch gene, go back to that again. Guy made a lot of big shots, made a lot of big defensive plays. I said it as, as he was walking off the floor. You know, we can all debate who the best players are, but I call him one of the best Badgers I've had a chance to, to be around in 34 years of being around Wisconsin basketball. When I say that, I mean total package. He's, uh, he's just a very special, special guy. 34 years with Wisconsin basketball. So how, how did you get the job? When did, can you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tell me that story, like how you got the job to be not only basketball, but football the announcer for the Badgers. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that now. It was such a long time ago. I was working, uh, working in small town, Ohio, Piqua, mm-hmm. P-I-Q-U-A, um, playing the beautiful music of yesteryear, eight hours a day. That's what we called ourselves. It was WPTW playing the beautiful music of yesteryear. And those were three reel to reels on the old tapes. Okay. And one song would end, it would kick into the next reel and it was, it was awful. But what we did there was a ton of high school basketball games, high school football games. We did some American Legion games. And then I worked 2 to 10, and then Sunday morning, 6 to 2. So I would read the news and the obituaries. I became an expert at reading obituaries. Those were money makers. I don't know if they still are, but back in the day, that's part of how radio stations made money, working with funeral homes and reading the obituaries. So, I didn't I did not know that. <laughs> yes, now, now you know. That's exciting. That was yeah, part of my part of the newscast every night. But anyway, I was uh, I was on the brink of saying, you know, I'm not sure this is for me. Uh, I, I just don't know that this that was four years out of college. And then there was a publication, everything's electronic now, but there was an actual magazine called Broadcasting Magazine. And the back of it would be classifieds and I saw an ad that said Big Ten Hoops. Oh, huh, okay. And they were describing Wisconsin up at WTSO Radio in Madison. So I was doing a crash course. You know, I, I went to Ohio State, you know, covered Ohio State football and basketball a little bit, not day to day, but I was around it saying, ah, Wisconsin, I think I covered a game with Wisconsin there. Let me look up the Badgers. Hadn't been in the tournament. In the 80s, hadn't been there in the 70s or the 60s or the 50s. Go, huh, okay, all right, but it's a Big Ten job. Yep. So it's going to be uh, basketball announcing, afternoon anchor, and backup hockey announcer. Um, wow. Which never actually came to fruition to the delight of any Badger hockey fan. I did call hockey in college, not particularly well, but I called it. I was but anyway. Say- I would love to hear you call a hockey game. I think I may have a cassette tape somewhere here. You know, during the during the shutdown, I was going through some uh, some stuff. I haven't really converted all that stuff the way smart people do. I still you know got on Amazon and ordered a cassette recorder and was able to oh find actually find one that works and put some old tapes in. Uh, but I sent a little bit of the hockey, but it was more of the high school basketball and. Um, they tell me a hundred and so some odd people applied and the planets aligned. Um, I headed off a guy named Chris Moore, who does uh, a lot of radio, CBS radio, WFAN in New York. Um, he worked in the NHL for the New Jersey Devils, for the Florida Panthers, uh, had a stint on ESPN. He knows our guy, Owen Murphy. Um, okay. Yeah, well, Owen claims. You know, Chris, Chris kind of like downplays that. But anyway, Chris hired. Chris was the guy who um, 
apparently liked what he heard mm-hmm. and the rest is history. So it was, uh, and I ended up, Chris was still there, but he left a few weeks later to get the devil's job. So I called football in 1988 as well. There were four different originating stations for football, WTSO, WIBA, and then two others, WTMJ and, and one other. And I can't think of what station that was. Okay. But I was the uh, Larry Myalik, former Badger football player, played a number of years in the NFL. He was my partner for a one-win Wisconsin football team. Then the foot, then everything went exclusive the following year. Jim Irwin called football for a few more years than Brian Manthe for, for two or three years, but I was with basketball all along. So have I put you to sleep yet? But that's no, how I got no. the job. It, the, the planets aligned on a, on a chance. I got a hold of Broadcasting Magazine, uh, put a tape together. They flew me up to Madison for an interview. Uh, Chris, it was a beautiful day in May. Chris was smart, went to the terrace, uh, went to Paul's club on state street. That was pretty cool to walk into a bar with a tree in the middle of it. But I think I like this place. This is good. (laughs) And, um, they offered the job that we thought about it on the flight home. There wasn't much to think about, but thought I'd be Joe cool and start packing. (laughs) Let's go. So been here ever since. That's so awesome. It's and and yeah, you talk about how times have changed. So there's the did you keep the the want ad, the classified ad? I would have kept that. No, that, it, it was dumb. I should have. I, I think I did for a time, but we've moved a few times here in in, in town, so it, it got lost somewhere. Um, that that was a mistake. I wish I would have saved that. Yeah. So two things stood out to me about that story. Number one, that it was just in a magazine, like a Big Ten radio job, because that's. <laughs> It doesn't seem like, you know, that's it's a unique um, aspect mm-hmm. of it. And then that you got somebody flew you in for an interview. Like yeah. that's big time. Like they, I don't think that happens anymore. Do people fly people in? I mean, I'm, I'm sure for like elite, elite jobs that happens, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Major league jobs, uh, I would imagine um, they do that, but not a ton. I, I think particularly now, it's, some of it's probably done this way, but uh, to me, it's still, you still should be in the room with someone since you're going to be if you get if you hire that person but uh i was impressed i mean i was impressed with the station because first of all i'll take country over the beautiful music of yesteryear anywhere <laughs> anytime but there was really i mean for people in the madison market you're too young um okay. but those who are on or a, about my age give or take a few years i mean they had a morning guy on c104 named jd barber who was a legend in, in the Madison market, Judy Newman, who's been a news news reporter, newspaper reporter for, for years and years. She was the news director. Uh, Katie Crawley, uh, who works in the mayor's office now uh, in Madison, but she a very, very good, highly respected radio news reporter. But we had, you know, Pat Martin was a disc jockey, Dave Shannon, Diana Summers. I mean, there were really talented broadcasters, Jonathan Little, a Z104, Fletcher Keys, Tom Lockwood. I'm going down memory lane. That's probably not going to mean a lot to you. Those names are not recognized, but they- I've heard a couple. I've heard a couple. Yeah, they, I think yeah. people who were, are old enough to remember that, those names I would think will mean a lot because it, the business was so much different than, than what it is now. It, it, it was a fun radio station to be a part of. And then eventually- it, was bought out eventually the general manager retired and and sadly passed away um 
a year or so after I, I got there, I guess. But it was it was a it was a group of people who really were eager to get to the station every day and had a lot of fun together at work and had a lot of fun together outside of work. It was pretty cool. Did you always wanted to be in radio or what was your career yeah. aspirations growing up? Yeah, it was radio. I grew up um, I grew up a diehard baseball fan. I thought the coolest job in the world would be Al Michaels was a radio. He was the radio voice for the Reds back in the early 70s. And then when he moved on, Marty Brenneman um, took over and had a Hall of Fame career and thought, boy, that, that's the coolest job ever. Yeah, if you could be a baseball broadcaster or a college uh, college sports announcer. And I, I actually, when I was in college, I shifted away from the baseball dream. I just, I told myself and I kept it to myself. I, I want a major college job within five years of graduating. And it worked. Um, it was four years uh, with the basketball job. Now I didn't, the football didn't, when it went exclusive, the football didn't go with it, the play-by-play -play until 1994. But I was the pre-game guy, the halftime guy, the post-game guy, the coaches show co-host. Um, but that that's luck. I mean, that was, it was right place, right time with seeing broadcasting magazine and the right person liked what he was hearing. And I'm sure a lot of others who applied are very happily employed in the business who, you know, could be major market could, or they could be doing something completely different, but mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky. Yeah. Um, so you said, what, what, what was your, who was your favorite athlete growing up as you uh, wanted mm. to be a broadcaster? Who was your favorite, favorite athlete? Kind of go, it goes back to my, to my years watching the Reds. I was a big red machine. So I was a big fan at the time of Pete Rose, not knowing about all his demons. Um, a a go-to guy for me, I really enjoyed watching all the time was Johnny Bench. You know, I, I was never, I never actually aspired to be a catcher for very long, but I just uh, his his coolness on the field, and you know, I talk about somebody who hit some big home runs. Um, one of my the images I always have of him and Al Michaels was Game Five. Posick would tell you all of this. I would start the story, he would finish it because he. That's I'm sure that's what he remembers too. 1972 um, playoffs against the Pirates, Game Five. Reds are down a run in the ninth. Johnny Bench hits an opposite field home run to tie the game. And then eventually the Reds score in a wild pitch to win the pennant. And Al Michaels has a famous call of that, um, that Reds fans could probably tell you word for word. And it, but the Johnny Bench home run, he was in the, he always tells the story. He was in the on deck circle and he hears somebody behind him say, Johnny hit me a home run. He turned around. It was his mom. And oh, you think wow. if it were only that easy, but as it turned out, um, he hit a home run to tie the game and they eventually won it on a wild pitch. Wow. And then you got to, like you mentioned with the Brewers too. So baseball is your favorite sport growing up. You always kind of wanted to be a, a baseball announcer and then you got to be a baseball announcer with the Brewers. I mean, what was, what was that like for you? Yeah, it, it was, it was surreal to be honest because it, it really happened out of the blue. I mean, they were looking for a backup announcer, um, and I made it for, for Brian Anderson, whose mm -hmm. career is what it is today, national level. Um, and I was very open with them. I said, look, I, yeah, I, I would be thrilled to talk to you about this, but I've got to tell you, I, my, I, I'd have to dig up a cassette to give you a demo of me calling baseball. It was the old, an old Madison Muskies, not the Mallards, the Muskies in, in the early 90s. 
uh, when uh, our friend Jeff Trujella was uh, was the general manager of, okay. of that of that Class A team, I couldn't find it. Um, so we had a great conversation. I go to Milwaukee. We do a screen test. You know, myself and probably the five or six other candidates. Um, I don't know if anybody who ever feels comfortable doing a screen test, you know what it is. It's the, you know, it's the last inning of a game that the Brewers win on a Jonathan Lucroy walk-off homer off a of roll as Chapman. Uh, but you're, you know, what's going to happen. So right. you, but they, I, they just want to know how you converse with, with Phil Schroeder um, and rock and I have become really good friends over the years. It was, it was fun. And I was, I was lucky there too, because I was probably the one closest to Milwaukee. You know, if they're talking to other candidates from other sure. parts of the country, and then you've got the, you know, the, uh, the task of flying them in from wherever they're from. Uh, but we hit it off with that Tyler Barnes, Alita Mercer, Rick Schlesinger, that group and, and Mark Antanasio, you know, said, yeah, this, this will work. Um, so, I mean, I have nothing but respect for the organization, but I did it for eight years. And I told him before last season, I said, look, um, you guys do what you need to do here. Cause I think I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to wrap this up. Um, and there's a few more things with, with Learfield that we're going to be doing. And, you know, there's a whole list of reasons. Bottom line is though, do what you need to do. You've got a perfectly capable i mean it, even if i'm dying to come back if i'm them jeff levering needs to be in the role and he is as the primary television announcer now um, but it was a lot of fun i mean I, i'll miss the laughs you know being around those folks every day it was a little different the last two years a lot of remote broadcasts but that's that's life but i get asked a lot like now if i do i have the itch do i regret it and the answer is no i, I feel like i did the right thing it's good for me, and quite honestly, and more importantly, I think it's good for them that they can get fully dedicated baseball announcers to call a team that I think will be pretty good again. Well, Badger fans, I, I loved watching you on the Brewers broadcast when when you were able to to fill in. And were you ever nervous, like for your first broadcast? Was that a little because I mean, you come from radio, and now you're yeah. doing television. There's a big difference right off the bat there, and then just the sport that you haven't called since the mm -hmm. Madison Muskies. Yeah, I was petrified. Um, and that's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not making light of it. I, it was a, probably a panic attack, quite frankly, because my first year doing it, my first two years doing it, I went to exactly zero days of spring training because the basketball team had the audacity of going to the final four in 2014 and 2015. <laughs> so I went into a role like that as stone cold as anybody could. Um, but I also told myself the viewer doesn't care. The viewer has been working all day or doing whatever he or she is doing, wants to sit down and, and enjoy a game. And I was extraordinarily uncomfortable. The best part was, you know, rock is, is great to work with. We had a lot of laughs, you know, we'd have lunch together. We would, you know, cut it up on flights from wherever, from New York to Chicago, whatever the you know, wherever the destination is. And I, I got to the point, John, where you're kind of in and out, in and out, never like, you know, with volleyball, you're there all the time, right? With uh, football, basketball, I'm there all the time. They know me, I know them. And with baseball, it was less so, nobody's fault. Those were just the circumstances. I just got to the point where I had to tell myself to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And because you're never all in. Um, 
but it was still fun. I mean, I was lucky. I had great moments, like walk-off home runs. You know, the opening day three years ago, Lorenzo Cain with the with the home run robbing catch to you know to win the game, and to see Christian Yelich do his thing, and um, and and Ryan Braun, man, that first weekend that I worked a, a series, it was in Pittsburgh, and they're playing on Easter Sunday, and there's a big fight that breaks out. Uh, Carlos Gomez, Martin Maldonado. I mean, it was a, as baseball fights go, it was a pretty good one. Um, mm -hmm. And Ryan Braun ends up tying the game in the ninth inning with a home run. I think Chris Davis wins the game. It might have gone 12 or 13 innings. The night before, Braun hit a home run in the ninth. Uh, so I, I got to see up close, you know, the, the greatest home run hitter in Brewers history do his thing. And we saw a lot of moments like that. An 18-inning game, um, I think that was in 19, that Braun ended uh, on a, it was a two-run double. Uh, but there were you know, Josh Hader, Devin Williams. I mean, again, that's where the luck factor comes in because, you know, the Brewers all those years with little glory, right? Now all of a sudden, they're really good. And you're watching great players and you're watching a team that has a legitimate chance to get to the world series. I know it hasn't been there yet since 82, but I say about the Badgers when the worst thing you can say is there's a chance that's pretty good. And I think that's where the Brewers are right now. They can, yeah, they got a shot the way they pitch and, and with the hitting that they have, they've got a shot. That's pretty good. Let me get to uh, take you back to the Badgers one more time, because with Johnny Davis leaving for the NBA with Brad Davis, and we talked about those two guys uh, gone. My question is what will next year's team look like? Where will they yeah. get their scoring? And, and I know it's really, really early, obviously, mm -hmm. but can you wrap your head around next year's squad at all right now? Yeah, I think it's uh, somebody asked me that earlier today and it's a legitimate question, but I, and I think we all have to get used to the world we're in now with the transfer portal mm -hmm. and who knows who could be coming into the program. Um, you know, there's one freshman right now, uh, actually two, but one, one scholarship was with Connor Asijan, who's coming in from Indiana, a prolific shooter at the high school level. I would think just based on what we know with the personnel now, Chucky Hepburn is someone who can score more than, than what the average will tell you he had this season. He's a terrific defensive player. He'll distribute the ball, brings great toughness. I would imagine he's someone who can, who can knock down a couple, three more shots per game. Tyler Wall, we watched the way he progressed from last year to this, and who's to say he can't get better still moving forward. To me, I think there, there's – any number of guys are going to be really important, but I'm really intrigued by a couple of them. Stephen Crowell, who I think had a really good year this year. It was a little tough go the last the last few games, but you know he's somebody, he's a big who I think will be able to stretch defenses and who will continue to get stronger. And I, I'm a believer in Ben Carlson. You know, I know he made he made one more three than you and I did this year, but he's got he's got a shooting touch. And we saw it on in Friday's game against Colgate. He can rebound with great confidence. And as he continues to get stronger, it's the like the coach's line, right? You need a great summer. You gotta get you gotta get a lot done in the weight room. Mm -hmm. And I think those two guys will do that. But I, I just think with Wisconsin, we've seen this so many times. When you can get a big who can step outside and hit a shot and still do damage inside, be tough defensively. I think those two guys will be really important for the progress of this team moving forward. 
Uh, finally, for you, Matt LePay, thank you for joining the podcast once again. But I heard that some – was there a fan that on Friday night maybe served a little bit too much that wanted to get a picture with you? Can you tell me the story? I briefly heard this on the radio, but was there um, like a, a a fan that tried to get a picture with you? Do you know what I'm talking about or not? No. I thought you were going to talk about the fan who threw the the can of Lineys on the floor and didn't even drink it off first. Uh, <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? Like, I heard about a, that too. I don't. What I a waste of lineys! You never should do that. Don't I mean, waste the lineys. No, there. I mean, I. I think I took a couple pictures with, with, uh, some of the Badger fans who were there, but I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, Polzine. Uh, he tweeted something. Yeah. Jim Polzine tweeted, and I didn't see. I didn't even notice this till after the game. That there was there were there was someone or a group of people who were trying to get everybody on media row to take a picture of me, which I'm sure was really at the top of their to-do list <laughs> as they're getting ready to cover a game. But uh, when I saw the tweet, I had no idea what he's, what he's tweeting about here. So. Maybe that's what I was thinking about the, the Paul Zine tweet. Cause that does sound familiar, but yeah, someone actually threw, I mean, that's what happens when you give uh rowdy badger fans cans <laughs> of beer. Like that's a risk. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah, what no, it's not. There? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't want to make too much of a joke of it because it's a really stupid thing to do. But what was really appalling, it, I mean, it was it looked like it was half full. So if if you can't finish a lineys, you should be banned for life. I mean, you know, we're we're talking quality stuff here. So that's just that's just we got. How about Chucky trying to pick up the you know the beer can and trying to you know play the role of you know the maintenance worker on the floor? And I think an official said, you know. We'll, we'll take care of that. We have, we have people who will do that for you, Chuck. You get in your huddle and go go finish the game. But yeah, uh, oh well. Yeah. Nobody was hurt, which was the good thing. It was, and it was a it was a fantastic season, Big Ten championship winning season. You got to watch Johnny Davis, and they just needed to hit a couple shots, maybe just go four of twenty two from outside the three point arc. And it's, yeah. who knows what happens? It's a different game. Th those are the games to me, Matt, that are just so frustrating. When I, me as a fan could go back, look at the stats, and go. Oh, you just needed to, you know, make thirteen percent of your threes or whatever that number would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. I know what you're saying. I mean, it was one of those games, and you know, we saw this on the other side, particularly when Dick was coaching, but some of the bow years too. That when you get down eight points, it feels like sixteen, right? It's just so yeah. hard to come back. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the stats right now. And it's like fourteen for forty seven. You know, what if they go, you know, if it's 18 for 47, we're getting ready to go to Chicago. Or if it's five for 22, four yep. for 22, we're, we're, we're getting ready to go to Chicago where they're going to play Miami, the 10th seed. But I think what we've learned or what we've confirmed is what we thought could happen with double digit seeds. You got a 10 and an 11 playing in, in Chicago and there's a 15 seed. Uh, still alive in in the tournament, so it, it, that's the that's the fun of it. If you are those double digit seeds or fans of them, but you see the flip side of it, ask Kentucky how they're feeling, um, ask Illinois how they're feeling, um, and obviously Wisconsin. But they were, I, yeah, I, it's important to note they were picked to finish tenth. They had mm -hmm. a lot of production that walked out the door last March. Um, this to me was one of the most enjoyable seasons that I've had. I mean, it's just fun to watch a team do something that no one expects. And they had a blast along the way. The poise that the younger guys 
showed on the floor in interviews. Um, it's just a great group of dudes. So, I mean, I'm sorry for them that it's over, but as I tweeted, damn, that was a lot of fun to watch. It sure was a lot of fun to watch. And I appreciate you taking some time here today to talk about it with me on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. I was a, it's a privilege to finally be on. I, you know, I episode 40, but that's okay. Like, we'll do it again sometime. Okay. Episode <laughs> 80. We'll, we'll see you then. <laughs> it's a date. Just, just kidding. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's Matt LePay. He's the voice of the Badgers as Wisconsin season came to an end here at Pfizer Forum. I got to go. It was awesome. I, I had so much fun as a fan. I got to experience uh, everybody congregating outside, all the Badger fans, the Badger band outside um, the Deer District and, you know, had a couple beverages, went inside, got to see Pfizer Forum and the seats were fantastic. And like we were saying, the crowd was just waiting for something to happen for a string of baskets to you know combine there so they could go crazy and blow the the roof off the place and uh, it never did happen sunday uh as the badger season comes to an end once again the reminder me and julio sponsor the podcast go to me and julio they're in fitchburg they've got monthly specials including the reuben sandwich and the rainbow trout tacos this week the bracket contest for me and pizza is still going on. If you want the bonus points, you got to answer the bonus trivia question this week. Name one of the three Badgers who have played in the most NCAA tournament games all time at Wisconsin. Just name one of them. DM me the answer on Twitter at John Audius Radio or on Instagram at John Cast Podcast. And if you didn't get into the bracket, uh, go back, listen to the other trivia question this trivia question and next week's trivia question. Send me all three answers and you will be eligible for a $20 gift card to me and Julio and the Scotty t-shirts are still available at johncastpodcast.com. Episode number 41 is coming up next. I'll talk with the women's basketball coach at Wisconsin, Marissa Mosley. She'll be the guest later on this week. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to the Johncast podcast. Goodbye.